Hi, everyone. This is Sports Matters, December 17th, 2013, the final program of the year. Uh, there were often times I wondered if we would ever get here, but joined by Ed Barnes, I'm Brian Wilmer, and we've reached the end of the year, believe it or not. Is this a time for a triumphant speech talking about how we made it? We finally made it. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we started from the bottom. Now we're here or something. That's what I hear. Um, yeah, you know, I just remember a time where it seemed like monotone wasn't exactly the way to go with music. But now it seems like that seems to be a little bit more prevalent <laughs> and popular. I don't, I don't know if that's because uh, that's what they know the best or if that's their range. Either way, I'm, I'm a little puzzled by it. Thankfully, not puzzled by a lot that we're going to talk about on this show with our hot sports takes. Oh yeah, always we we have the uh, the hot sports <laughs> takes that nobody else would uh, would dare touch. And by the way, I think on on your uh, on your monotone thing, I think that probably what happened is all of these rappers these days started working in customer support jobs. And they just brought their phone mm-hmm. voice with them over when they came over to to start rapping. Right, that's actually an excellent point. Yeah, um, you know, I have. Um, Spent more than my fair share of time uh, calling 800 numbers lately um, because I am a, a much bigger fan of the online shopping versus actually going to the mall. Oh yes, um, you know, as 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 we touched on a little, uh, you know, in DTMA. But point being, um, when I call these customer support numbers because I haven't actually had to go to said mall, uh, it, you're kind of amazed how much brand loyalty has sprung up in my mind based on what my experience has been with the people I've spoken to. Um, you know, DirecTV calling their customer service and being transferred to nothing three straight times or being on <laughs> for a half hour. That would be something that made me think, you know what, I don't really like calling your company at all, uh, even though I like the number of channels I get with it. However, uh, on the flip side, I, I have an, uh, an Amex card, and those people could not be more friendly on the phone and helpful. Every time I've called them, they've actually gotten to the root of whatever problem it is almost immediately and taken care of it all with a nice tone of voice and being polite. So guess what? I I am going to keep that card. By the way, uh, I know that you're a big fan of reading uh, strange things about customer service and and, and stuff. If you ever read, I think it's crimewarner.tumblr.com, it's well worth your read. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I've heard many complaints uh, about Time Warner and their customer service or lack thereof. Um, <laughs> you know, there have been a few times where I've moved um, or, or we've had to change out equipment or something like that when I lived in a Time Warner area. And going into one of their stores, um, Googling where it was led me to a couple reviews of the store I was about to go to, and all of them were one-star reviews, and I think it was like seven or eight reviews. <laughs> and they were all one-star. The worst customer service ever exclamation point, you know, something like that. So I went into that store expecting the worst and found there was no one there because I think the reviews scared everyone off. So somehow I actually got prompt customer service thanks to bad reviews. You know, I'm, I'm thinking now, you got me started thinking about this. I'm, I'm now imagining to the tune of started from the bottom, you know, I'm, I'm just imagining, thanks for calling Time Warner, this is Drake. You know, just <laughs> the entire time through that song. And now I'm going to hear that every damn time I hear that song. And then so. the next line's what? If you look at my eyes, I'm not awake. <laughs> yes, like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, if you want to. So that's all I got here, folks. Yeah, if you want to contact us, uh, we promise we won't ignore your email. Radio at sportsmatters.info. Also at sportsmatters on the Twitter machine. And uh, occasionally I will sneak in some thoughts when I'm not at a game. And uh, you can interact with us that way. 
Well, the great thing, though, is is from being able to cover these games, it, it allows you to get out and interact with coaches and other media members and kind of get a sense for, you know, what what are some of the things that these people are interested in? And, you know, with a game that you covered this weekend, I know that the, the new rules in college basketball came up. And we've kind of touched on it before, and we, we threw out some numbers a few weeks ago talking about the rise in free throw shooting and how it's presented a, you know, about a 10% greater percentage of the points this year in college basketball than it did in years past, and that's with a one-point shot versus a two or a three. Um, and with a game you covered this weekend, this this kind of, I mean, you saw a perfect example of how these new rules really can affect a, a contest, not just in the sense of more free throws being shot, but also the whole flow of the game being disrupted. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, the Winthrop Appalachian State game on Sunday, there were 51 fouls called in that game. I think the refs took the over. Which, uh, if that sounds like an inordinate number, it truly is. And a couple of things about this. First of all, when you have teams that are in the bonus before the under-16 timeout and a half, that's a what? little much. Yeah, that, I, didn't, I didn't catch that part when you were telling me about the game. I knew you told me about how it was very early in a half and teams were in the, the double or in the bonus. But before the under-16 timeout, I mean, that's... There are games that I have uh, produced, and you know, as media members, you're very aware of the under-16 timeout because for TV, that's when you take your first break, right. uh, unless there's a timeout called. And there are plenty of times where I've done a second half where no stoppages have happened, and the next thing you know, it's 15.47 on the clock when you know there's a dead ball or a ball out of bounds or something like that, and you take a break. And then you come back and you're like, oh, what were the team fouls? Well, there weren't any. Oh, oh okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the second half of that game... Before the under-16 timeout, Winthrop had seven fouls, and Appalachian was already in the bonus in the second half before the under-16 timeout. That's really scary. I mean, I, I just can't imagine what it's like uh, to be a player in that situation just because, uh, I mean, basketball is such a game of flow um, and people having to, you know, interact with each other. I mean, there's obviously a level of communication on the court, but people have to know where they're supposed to be and, you know, and react to what's happening around them. And you just don't have a chance to do that when there's a whistle being blown every 20 seconds. Well, one thing I used to do in covering games, and maybe this is just my being stupid, who knows, but one of the things that I used to do is I would chart, and of course now I don't need to because I have quickie stats that come to me all the time during these breaks, but I used to chart the times between media timeouts and or stoppages. So, like, you could look at say, one particular section. And, of course, Pat Kelsey, the Winthrop coach, all the time talks about the four-minute wars, and, and you've heard that in his comments. But um, you would be able to look and see, okay, there was 537 between stoppages here. There was 615 between stoppages here. And you think that doesn't mean much, but when you're playing, you know, say you're a running team and you're playing against a team that likes to grind, the, uh, you know, grind every possession, or if you're uh, a team that's, overmatched and you're having to constantly run up and down the floor for six minutes it takes a lot out of you versus those little four minute periods so now i mean it's it's gotten to the point where everybody has ground to a halt uh we, we actually in talking to jason capel the appalachian state head coach and of course you remember him former north carolina player uh, his dad jeff capel longtime coach uh, his brother jeff capel same thing um, but we talked to him about the officiating in Sunday's game, and it, th his answer actually made us rephrase our question to Winthrop coach Pat Kelsey. But Jason Capel, talk to us about the officiating. And when you hear this first, uh, you'll hear Brett McCormick, the writer from the Rock Hill Herald newspaper who covers Winthrop. And then you'll hear Capel's answer. And the way he responded to all of this was kind of interesting. Here's Jason Capel's thoughts from Sunday. 
What did you think of the disparity from the free throw line? It was pretty physical game and a tight call. That's 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 a loaded question that everybody in there knows I can answer. <laughs> <laughs> so my theatrics on the sideline, I think that answers the question right there. Um, I think we're all trying to learn the new rules. Yeah. Um, all I ask for is to be consistent with it. If you call, if you call something on one side, call it on the other side. I don't. I, I, I tell you right. I don't understand the block charge deal. <laughs> I mean, one they called charge, I thought was a block, and the ones that they called a uh, block, I thought were dead on charges. Um, but you know, both the, the, the only issue I have, both teams were attacking. Both teams were attacking the basket. Um, when you look at it, you know, we shot 18 threes, they shot 18 threes. They used ball screens, we used ball screens. Um, call it the same way. And again, I'm not saying it didn't, because I don't want to get myself and my university in trouble. Okay? But... Yeah, the uh, the very end of that, he said, you can read between the lines a little bit. And he, he was very careful, Capel was, throughout that entire thing, not to say anything that might be construed as, okay, we can turn around and find him, we can penalize his university, whatever. He even came out and said, I'm not going to get myself my university in trouble. But it was pretty clear he was annoyed, not just by uh, you know the pace of the game, but by the rules. And when you have a guy who's a former player and played at the ACC level, and he comes out and says, I don't understand the whole block charge deal, and he was a forward in the ACC, isn't that a little bit of a concern? The, the thing that I really think about, though, for anyone who's a former player, and that's going to encompass a lot of coaches, uh, at least to some degree, but if you played a certain way and then the game is being called in a different way now that has to make it difficult for you to teach exactly because you're going to be teaching based on your experience aren't you so you're going to be thinking no you want to body this guy up you want to do this you want to be able to use this in order to slow a guy down here's a little trick i learned that didn't get called well you can't really pass that stuff on in the same way anymore and i understand the whole reasoning behind the rule change and that kind of thing but Still, it, it, it's not necessarily resulting in the basketball that was intended. And I think that that's pretty safe for everyone to agree on. Well, one of the things that, that Kelsey said in his comments, and again, I'm, I'm not going to play all of his comments if, if you're interested in hearing them. Uh, they are out there with my gamer. If, if you need a link to them, let me know. But one of the things that he had said in, in the postgame comments was that, you know, with these rules, you have to play defense with your feet, not with your hands. And that's fine. But the problem is... You, comp- you combine that with the block charge rules, and you figure, okay, you're teaching people to play defense with their feet, but you're never going to call a charge on anybody. Right. And, you know, at, at what point do these two things kind of contradict themselves? Well, I think the number of hand injuries from people trying to kick the ball uh, out of someone's hands is going to be really <laughs> – oh, that's not what you mean by playing – oh, you like move your feet. Okay. Um, but, but in all seriousness – the numbers that you threw out there about being in the bonus before the under-16 timeout, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. If there are that many fouls called on anyone in that short of a period of time, you, you wonder more what's going on with the referees more than you wonder what's going on with the players. Yeah, and the bad thing is I, I'm not going to uh, make too many comments because obviously some uh, conversations are kind of privileged for obvious reasons, but I was sitting next to the Big South Supervisor of Officials on Sunday, and I wanted so badly to just ask him, okay, what the hell's the deal with all this stuff? And, you know, he's a nice enough guy, and I, I didn't get the chance to do so, but it, you get the sense that even they're not really all that thrilled with the way that the rules are 
are shaking out because it makes it tougher for them too. And you know they're going to catch all kinds of hell from it. You'd imagine. So it's it, it it chops up the flow of the game for them too. Now it's tough to um, point to specific ex- examples of that. But if there are referees out there that don't necessarily agree with the rule changes, don't you think subconsciously th- that they might want to call the game a little more like they think it should be called? Uh, there's always going to be interpretation of the rules by officials in any sport. Just look at the way that strike zones vary across Major League Baseball if you need a, a good example of that. But, you know, there are going to be certain officials that I'm sure they're going to be allowing some hand checking, whereas other officials are going to have the no tolerance policy, which is what's actually been written out by the NCAA this year. And the fact that there is going to be some discrepancy is going to leave coaches like Coach Capel very confused. And he's very right. He's right to be confused because I'm sure that in other games this year, things weren't called to the extreme way that they were called in his game uh, this past weekend. Well, we'll we'll hear from Lute Olson in just a minute. Lute Olson had some comments, the former Arizona coach, too. But I, I want to just give you a little bit of of, uh, you know, kind of color of what happened here. This is the second half. Now, at 19, with 19.30 left, so 30 seconds into the, into the second half, we had an Appalachian foul on Tevin Baskin, who was their leading scorer. Then at 105, we had a foul by Larry Brown of Winthrop. At 128, we had a foul by James Bourne of Winthrop. Um, let's see, at 208, we had a foul by Jared Scott of Winthrop, and then five seconds later, we had a, another foul by Jared Scott of Winthrop. So two fouls in a five-second period. Uh, we had a foul by Larry Brown of Winthrop with, uh, we were 301 into the half at that point. We had a foul by Andre Smith of Winthrop at 321 into the half. We had a foul by Joab Jerome of Winthrop. Uh, <laughs> now, this this sounds like a lot, and it is. Um, and not even four minutes into the half. And then, you know, when you, when you hear stuff like that, the media timeout was at 1532. You had another foul by, by Tevin Baskin just before that media timeout. So that's, that's all those fouls just in the space of four and a half minutes. I mean, that's a lot. That's, um, that's pretty ridiculous. I actually just, as you were you're going through some of that, I looked up what is the fastest uh, foul out in college basketball <laughs> history. It's and and the the answer that came back to me was a uh, Niagara University player uh, fouled out in less than three minutes in 1987. And I feel like that's probably been done even faster uh, somehow. Um, <laughs> but point being, when you could actually call fouls at a rate in a an actual game where someone wasn't trying to foul out that fast and foul them out. See what I'm saying? Like this is this is getting a little extreme here, folks. Yeah. Uh, to to put it in a little further uh, context, there were 29 fouls on Appalachian State. There were 22 on Winthrop for Appalachian. Tab Hamilton, their starting guard, fouled out. Tevin Baskin, their starting forward, fouled out. Uh, there, How many total foul outs were there in this game between the two teams? There were three. Uh, Winthrop had Larry it's- Brown foul out, so there were three foul outs. Now. There's a little more to it, though. Michael Obacha, who was one of, of Appalachian's forwards, had four fouls at the end of the game. Mike Cabani, one of their other forwards, had four fouls at the end of the game. Uh, Joab Jerome for Winthrop had four fouls. Jared Scott, one of their forwards, had four fouls. So we had three foul outs and four more people with four fouls each. Uh, that's just... That's that's scary. Yeah, and uh, I mean, does anyone really enjoy free throws that much? Unless you brought some sort of wacky sign to hold behind the basket. Yeah, some some uh, some big fathead or something. I'm I'm reminded. Yeah, yeah, I'm reminded of of Brett McCormick's comments on the on Twitter during the game. He's he's like, yeah, because everybody goes to games and screams to the officials to let them shoot free throws. 
Absolutely. Absolutely they do. I think that maybe some members of the show from San Diego State's great student section with the big who started the whole big head craze, maybe that was something that, that they're wholly in favor of. I don't know how they – I should actually ask them about how they felt about the rule changes. Maybe that gives them more TV time. Yeah, when you uh, when you hear a comment, and I, I don't remember who said this or I would properly credit them, but when you hear the comment, when you walk into the media room and you get the final box, and of course you've seen the, the final box, it's like you know six, seven pages of all the stats for the, for the game or whatever, somebody mm-hmm. commented that we should uh, have a burning trash can outside of the media room and throw those stats into it as we walked out. I like it. I think that's um, that would be a, a nice – only if there was a line that everyone had to stand behind while they threw – their stats into the trash can, a standard line, <laughs> and everyone would have an unimpeded shot at the trash can with no interference. <laughs> that works. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, well, the thing that, you know, you're talking about this game, and, and you mentioned App State ended up with 29 fouls against them? Uh, yeah, App had 29, Winthrop had 22. Okay. Uh, earlier this year, we both watched Arizona take on uh, San Diego State uh, on the Mesa, and Arizona was in foul trouble all night, and I know you remember that game. I do. Uh, and it was one that was whistled very closely, and the fact that the Aztecs shot 29 free throws was kind of what kept them in the game. And it, as I look back at that box score now, Arizona was whistled for 24 personal fouls. They had one player foul out, and four players finished with four fouls. Jeez. <laughs> I mean... Uh, Is that a lot? Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing that I was also thinking is, what is who does this favor? You know, who does this help? Does it help? I mean, you would think it would help a deeper team because they have more guys and more fouls to give, so to speak. On the flip side, when you talk about it in the sense of there are going to be more stoppages in play because there are more fouls called, that's going to make it easier for a player to play more minutes because they're going to have more chances for natural rest during the flow of a game. So does it actually help a team that might only really be seven guys deep as long as they know how to defend with their feet? You know, I was I was thinking about this, and of course, you know, I, I have to think of it this way, and, and you'll understand. I was thinking this is really going to hurt TV in the long run, because you figure you've got your, your you know, series of uh, all the different inserts you have to work in, and, you know, all the local spots and all that stuff, and you figure if you have more stoppages than usual, you blow through all those spots, and you have to go back and recycle spots, so... Mm, yes and no. Uh, from a producer's standpoint, you just have more opportunities to get in all your in-game promos, oh, which true. is all that you really need to worry about uh, in terms of being a producer in the truck. And then the, the breaks that you take are pretty standardized. You get the you know the standard under 16, 12, 8, and 4, and then in the start of the second half, the first called timeout ends up extending to a full, uh, and you take a break there. And then there are some other formats, depending on network, that end up taking an extra 30-second break here, an extra 30-second break there, depending on, you know, really it, it's how big the show is and how many people might be watching and how much getting that one extra spot is worth to the said network. So it's pretty standardized in that regard. As a producer, it's nice to know that you're all paid up. <laughs> it's ni- it is. It is nice to know that that is all done, and it's a bad feeling when you start getting toward the end of the game going, all right, well, if I do one here, one here, and one here, that I could get it done. And, oh, nope, a big play happened before that free throw. I can't can't do it, you know? And then, so it, it's kind of nice from a production standpoint. Um, there are going to be more opportunities, I think, where people are going to be fouling out, and that might allow, you know, TV to duck away for another 30-second commercial if they really chose, since teams get up to a minute, and they kind of get an extra de facto timeout out of it. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, 
it's still it, – it's more just about entertaining basketball, and I just don't think that we're getting that as much as college basketball fans. Well, two things quickly, and I, I know we need to move ahead here, but two things I would quickly say. The the place I've seen it affect the most is radio because radio has their certain spots that they have to get in, and I've, I've seen them kind of you know scrambling back to their – to their shot sheets basically to see who's covering what break or, uh, you know, which advertiser they need to mention on whichever break. And, you know, you don't really have a whole lot of people there for radio. You just have the courtside person and that's really about it. So uh, that's, that's been the biggest challenge I've seen for them. The other thing, and I I've said this all along, I'll continue to say it as a media person. And I know you might differ from me as a TV person and that's, that's fine. But to me, if you call a timeout within one minute of a scheduled media timeout, even if it's a 30, at that point, it should become the media timeout. Well, uh, it's funny you mention that because that actually is, uh, I believe that is the rule for uh, the women's game. I, you know, I'm not I'm not 100% sure as I haven't worked one, but with some of the, the rules calls that I've had to be on, um, I remember, you know, hearing about that and thinking, huh, that seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, the thing that you're not even mentioning, though, is in the men's game, if a timeout is called within the media break zone, it is not a, it is not a media break. You don't necessarily go. Yeah, I've first one of the second that. half you do. First yeah. one of the second half you do. But if there's a timeout called at 15:54, uh, because the team is on a 9-0 run or whatever it is, you stay and you talk about the team's 9-0 run and that kind of thing. And then if five seconds later a guy dribbles off his foot out of bounds, then you take your break. Yeah, I've I've seen that quite a bit. And of course, you know, most of the games that I work are within the Big South Conference, so they have Big South Conference TV, and you know, they're not being carried nationally. But still, I've I've seen instances where say like. You get to 7.32 or whatever, and the, the under 8 hasn't come yet. And they'll call a 30, and you take that 30, and then you know the next dead ball, you go away for a minute 5 or however long it is. So, yeah, that's that's happened quite a bit from what I've seen, too. It's actually a way for savvy coaches to kind of change the flow of the game if they need to. If there's a if their team is going through a rough stretch, um, then you know I've seen coaches call a timeout during a media timeout window uh, and then know that they're on the next stoppage, they're going to get another break. So that's a way to kind of slow down the game and maybe take a crowd out of a game a little bit uh, that I've seen coaches utilize a little bit more over the last few years, it seems like. But it's, I mean, it's a smart tactic. It's trying to gain every little advantage. Yeah, we, but uh, as a viewer, it's not very fun. Uh, true. <laughs> and if you're, if you're there in person, it's not too fun either because you get to see you know, some kids trying to put on a uniform and run to the other end of the floor, or see some guy, you know, hit a layup and then a free throw and then a three-pointer or whatever, and, you know, it's – you get that at least. Do you think it's tough for some of the arenas when they get through all the tracks on the Jock Jam CD uh, <laughs> by the second half, like early second half, and then they have to start again at track one, or <laughs> – is that really where the game's been affected the most? Yeah, you know, you, you can only play uh, Space Jam so many times. and uh, yeah. You know, I, I just wonder what the people from Technotronic would be doing if not for that royalty check from that song. <laughs> and, of course, you know, we, we make fun of this stuff. And, and obviously there's, there's plenty of room to make fun of it. But uh, it is kind of a common thread in a lot of arenas. You do still hear a lot of Jock Jam stuff, even though the last Jock Jam CD, I think, was released like 15 years ago. Yes, Still played. Somehow that's just sort of become, oh, it's cool. It's off the Jock Jams album. We're good. <laughs> we mentioned we had some comments from uh, from Lute Olson and some of the things that he had to say about some of this stuff. He said, frankly, I don't really like it that much. I think it takes teams out of their rhythm, which we talked about. Uh, it seems like there's a whistle-stopping play so many times. I can understand if they're arm-barring a kid and keeping him from where he wants to go. And then he continues, 
And he says, some of these touch fouls I think are ridiculous. I don't think they're good for the game. We go to all the home games here at Arizona, and I don't blame the crowd when they get upset because the thing I hear more than anything is, let them play, and I think that's probably the feeling of most basketball fans. He's right. Absolutely. I mean, when are you going to see a replay of a free throw? Not very often. It's going to take some weird occurrence, offensive putback or something like that. For Airball. Ever repra- yeah, ever replay a free throw. Uh, Repray? But- Whatever. Re- replay, replay. It's like a retweet. Stop bringing yeah. God into this. Yeah, I don't appreciate that, Brian. It's not very sensitive. Now, the thing about it, though, is all of the most exciting plays happen from open play, and yeah. I think we all know that. But True. the thing that, that just gets so frustrating, you know, I think about watching shooters this year has also been a little strange because you see shooters having a tough time finding their rhythm and finding their feel. And right. shooting is so much about rhythm, too. And, you know, you can have a pretty good sense of whether or not um, a shot's going to go in just by watching the way it leaves a guy hand, guy's hand. You know what I'm talking about? Does yeah. he really, is he able to step into the shot? Is he able to follow through? Is he able to, you know, catch it and, like, you know, have a moment to do so? Or is he being harassed? Does he have a hand in his face? That kind of stuff. And I just see guys missing some wide-open shots, and not that shooting has been the best it's ever been in college basketball right now uh, by any stretch, but I, I do think that all the stoppages play a role in that. Well, something else that's in this piece. It says, uh, complaints about physicality and inartistic games intensified last season, and here's here's the whole catalyst behind this. When Division One scoring dropped to 67.5 points a game, the lowest mark since the 1981-82 season. And of course, this is how it always works in every sport. If there's not enough uh, runs in baseball, you know, you juice the ball, and, and you know, you come up with all these other different rules. If there's not enough scoring in football, uh, you can't touch the quarterback, you can't breathe on him. If there's not enough scoring in basketball, you come up with all these ridiculous foul rules. And they, they mention... They say, so far there's been a, been a significant uptick in scoring. The Division One average for points a game this season is 74.29, according to the NCAA. But what they don't say is that most of those points are coming on free throws. Right. And, you know, the idea that rule changes are the way to regulate the game, uh, in some ways I think that they're good. But do you remember when the NBA moved the three-point line in? I do. Because scoring was down so much, and this was during the era where the you know the Knicks and the Heat would play uh you know off tackle football type <laughs> basketball yeah you know, three yards in a cloud of dust basketball where they'd finish with these high scoring tilts seventy nine seventy seven and they tried to get scoring going by moving the three point line in and watching Larry Johnson shoot three pointers was fun I think for all of us because he had no business doing it but everyone at that point thought hey they brought it in you know a foot and a half or whatever it was we're going to start launching threes why not and if you remember it actually hurt scoring yeah I remember that well because it compressed everything down and it made the you know made it easier to defend because the spacing wasn't the same and so on and so forth I wonder if it's time to move the three-point line back a little bit more in college basketball. Athletes are better than ever, younger than ever. I understand that some people would say, well, it makes it a harder three-point shot to hit. But if the spacing's different, wouldn't that leave some more room for triple drives and whatnot? Well, I mean, at least you already have Marshall Henderson from Ole Miss already practicing that <laughs> that technique. When you know you see him pump at threes from 25 and 30 feet out, he did that the other day. He uh, you know had a, a guy on the left wing and kind of pulled up and, and did a pump fake and the guy went flying over him and then he just, you know, drained the three from 24 feet out or whatever it is. It, that's that's a fair point and it's it's one that really hasn't been addressed. But I, I think if you're going to start tweaking one set of rules to try to encourage scoring, then you're going to end up with the unintended consequences on the other side and we're not really addressing those. Right. 
Right. Now, I, I mean, the idea of tweaking rules as much as, I mean, you, you look at a year, you get to a situation in, in or a tipping point with sports. And with various sports, there have been different times that have spurred on rule changes. And with baseball, you could look at 1968, the year of the pitcher and Bob Gibson putting up the 1.12 ERA that year. And that's, people ask me what I think of Bob Gibson, and I always hold him in such high regard because he had a year that changed the game. You know, yeah. they raised them out because, uh, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. They changed the level of the mound. Right. The height of the mound was changed because of how good pitching was at the time. Right. Because was it Carl Yastrzemski won the batting title that year at 301, I think it was? Yeah, and of course you had, uh, you know, Drysdale uh, doing things, you know, from that higher mound, and he was another guy who helped uh, spur along a lot of those changes. But yeah, Gibson was, was widely seen as the guy who spurred that change. Denny McLean, 31 wins that year. I mean, it's just a yeah. ridiculous season of baseball uh, from a pitching standpoint, and that spurred rules changes. Or you could look at an NFL event, and you know the changes in the NFL making it more friendly to passing were coming, you know, gradually over the last 20 years. But you could really look to a, the Colts and their lack of success against the Patriots, I think, and then Ursay and you know his role on the rules committee try to spearhead rule changes to try to keep defensive backs' hands off wide receivers and the introduction of illegal contact and the way that that's led to even more and more protection for wide receivers going across the middle, you know, with defenseless player rules and all of those types of things that make defense that much harder and passing that much easier. And you already mentioned all the stuff about the quarterback. And I mean, just look at the, the Ahmad Brooks, Drew Brees play earlier this year. If you want to see how much quarterbacks are really going to be protected and you could say, yeah, they called it to the, to the way that the rule is written at the same time as a football fan, you're watching that going, Wait a second. That's not how the game is played, and I think that that's the same way that college basketball fans are looking at these rule changes, where it might help their team, it might help them get to the free throw line a little bit early, it might help them win a game even, but at the same time, deep down, true college basketball fans are going to say, this is not really what I like when it comes to my basketball. You know, the one thing you mentioned, though, you, you brought up Denny McLean, and the one thing I'm, I'm still bitter about is, why hasn't BR picked up his prison league stats yet? I don't know. That's a good question. I wonder what the Davenport translations would be on the prison league stats. You know, could we get something that would allow us to know what his like, you know, strikeout to walk ratio uh, in whatever state's penal system he's in would, would translate to? I mean, would that be like an A ball level, maybe a semi pro level? I don't know. But see, you 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 got time to make up, you know, a a card for Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and talk about his OPS and everything. But you can't tell me what Denny McLean did in the Slam, really. Did, did they really? Yes, they did. Oh, well, I'll be sure to not look at that. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think to make that a story. But one thing that we do need to make a story yeah. before, we, before we move on. Um, you've probably heard, or at least you may have heard of Noon's Magician, the uh, the Syracuse SB Nation blog. And, and they're doing something extraordinarily cool, and I wanted to take a couple of minutes to, to recognize it. Uh, as you probably know, Syracuse plays Minnesota in the Texas Bowl, which when I think of the Texas Bowl, I think of Syracuse and Minnesota. Uh, we'll talk more about that game in a minute, but he has decided, and the people who run that blog have... <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that's very amusing to me when I think of the Texas Bowl. Yeah. I think of Syracuse <laughs> yep. and Minnesota, but, uh, two teams that are just so excited to get the heck out of the northern part of the country right now. Yeah, he um, he has joined, along with uh, several other different people, and they are awarding tickets to young kids in the Houston area, the, uh, the YMCA, there's a children's center down there and he's taking donations. The entire blog is taking donations to send these kids to this game. And the original goal was to send 200 kids. And to do that, they would have to raise like, 
I think $10,000 or something like that. Uh, and the Texans found out about this. They've lowered the the prices of the tickets from $50 to $20 for this campaign. They've also For everyone or for, for this campaign? For this campaign. For this campaign. Oh, I was going to say, wow, they're really going all out <laughs> to get people there. Yeah, they, uh, they lowered – also, they had a, a ticket and food voucher, which was $55. They've lowered it to 25 So um, – Great. The way that this worked out, $5 uh, bought a t-shirt or a food voucher, $10 bought two, $20 bought a ticket, $30 bought a ticket, a food voucher, and a Syracuse shirt, $40, two tickets, uh, $44, because 44 is a big number in Syracuse lore, uh, you know, that was a, a special thing, $60, uh, two tickets, two food vouchers, and Syracuse t-shirts, uh, $99 bought three tickets, three food vouchers, and, and three Syracuse t-shirts. I saw a report earlier today. They had raised over thirty thousand dollars for this. Good for them. So I mean, good for them. That's awesome. Yeah, we uh, we joke a lot on this program, and and with good reason. But anything that can send underprivileged kids anywhere, and you know, let them get out and see a game when really they don't have the the means or the wherewithal to do so, in any other uh, you know type of situation, we are all for that here on this program. So if you get a chance. Go check out uh, Noon's Magician and, and the Syracuse SB Nation blog. They have links up there for how to donate. If you have the means to do so, please do help them in this pursuit. This is extremely cool. That is really cool. I mean, it's so cool that I'm not going to make the joke about wondering if this is part of a scared straight program to send kids to watch Syracuse <laughs> and Minnesota play football. I wouldn't make that joke now because it's such a great cause. Wow. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> you got your joke in. All I didn't well. make it. I said I wasn't going to make it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> let's um let's move on to bowl uh, previews. That is, et cetera, et cetera. honestly though, yes. as, as much of a douchebag uh, as I am for making <laughs> that joke, that is that is a really cool program. Absolutely, and I'm glad that they're having success with it. Um, you know, and I'm sure that the Texas Bowl is. I mean, honestly, they're they're doing a great thing by by kind of helping out. Sure. Um, but that's a smart move on their part too. They're going to get some good publicity for this, and and why shouldn't they? But you know, it's it's stuff that they've earned by making it more accessible for kids to be able to come to this game. Yeah, we we have several soft spots on this program when you consider kids and uh, you know animals who are in danger and soldiers. Yeah, we're we're pretty much going to be a sucker for any stories involving those things. And business cat. Uh, yes, of course. Can't forget business cat. Business cat, very important. Yeah, and keyboard cat too. Can't forget him. Keyboard cat. Any pretty much cats that that do things outside of uh, <laughs> the normal realm of cat activities. We're a fan. Which, uh, by the way, keyboard gato uh, is still one Ooh. of my favorite ones. Where they, yes. you know, had the sombrero on him and had him in a poncho and everything. That was. Why wouldn't they? I yeah. mean, that's just a natural progression. Quality stuff. I think no. that maybe would be like keyboard cat's fourth album when he gets into concept <laughs> albums. So he, he did the whole Linda Ronstadt thing, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. I think that once you get, you know, you, you've, you've got your base of material that you're writing when you come up. Um, I forget, we're, we might have been talking about this, but we're talking about why are so many bands' first albums their best albums. It's like, well, that's all their stuff. Yeah, exactly. If they've written 50 songs, they're choosing the 12 best ones. Yeah, that's their fastball yeah. right there. Yeah, so, um, you know, first few albums, you're working off maybe stuff that you had and then stuff you developed early in your career. And then by the fourth, you know, you think, all right, well, I've already made three albums. People must like me, so I'm going to go ahead and make this concept album, um, you know, where where I make it while I'm in space or something like that. But for him, he went with the uh, the Mexican theme, which is a nice one. See, I was kind of hoping uh, Keyboard Cat would kind of follow the replacements type of, of arc where, you know, they'd start out as kind of like a local – he'd start out as like a local uh, Minnesota punk artist and – 
you know, sure. pe- people would, would love his work, but nobody would know about it. And then he'd gradually become famous and then he'd fire his guitarist and then he'd go on Saturday Night Live and swear and get banned for life. And then, you know, just gradually become an alcoholic and flame out. But unfortunately, he didn't choose to take that route. Yeah, that's too bad. I think that's really too bad. I think that the people most disappointed about that were rehab clinics. <laughs> uh, they they kind of like, you know, were prepping a room uh, with a great, like, you know, cat tower kind of thing where he could just <laughs> go up there and ponder the fact that he's, you know, overloaded on catnip. But, you know, they, all that stuff's gone to waste. He's, he's okay. See, if this were DTMA, the, the, the title of this program would have been Cat Rehab Clinics, but unfortunately it's not. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> We've all, I mean, you never know when genius is going to strike. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to challenge you because as we preview these bowls, there are approximately 476 bowls, as you know. And, right. uh, we, we find ourselves either getting into situations where we're talking a lot about a particular team or we get into situations where we're talking nothing about another particular team or set of teams. So I'm going to issue you a challenge and I'll issue it to myself too. I'm going to give you the lines for these games, and the challenge is to keep your entire take for that game under one sentence. So you can under say, one sentence. You can say one sentence about the entire game, and that's it. Okay. So some of these will be easy to do that. Some of them won't. But we'll keep ourselves right. to one sentence because, like I say, there are 476 bowl games. So we'll start with the Gildan New Mexico Bowl, Colorado State plus four and a half against Washington State. One sentence? Yes. Or less? Yes. Um, I'll just say <laughs> Mike Leach offense wins it, wins it all. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Connor Halliday building up to Tommy John surgery as the Rams' unfortunate uh, end to a great season occurs in Albuquerque. Yeah, I, I need the thing I need to ramp up in this challenge is uh, not edit myself quite as much because I'm 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 very concerned about going over this limit now. <laughs> the uh, the Royal Purple Las Vegas Bowl USC <laughs> minus six and a half against Fresnac. Fresno cares a lot more about this game. Fresno. <laughs> Seriously, I, I think they care a lot more about this game. USC in turmoil. There you go. No coach. Oh, I like Fresno. Oh wow! That's see, that's so much better. That's so much better. I think you were instri- inspired by my Drake line earlier in the podcast here. Which one? The one you said on air, or the one you messaged me? Because I think both of them are equally brilliant. Uh, I was actually thinking of the one talking about uh, where he calls up and issues his eating grant, his meeting, his greeting ending in "I am Drake," and I said, "If you look at my eyes, I'm not awake." Oh yeah, that was what I was referring to. Yeah, well, uh, there's there's some inspiration in the one you messaged me too, which is not safe for yes. air. Yes. Nope. Uh, <laughs> the uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Buffalo plus one against the Tex. San Diego State wins because I'm a homer. <laughs> um. <laughs> hmm. Let's see. San Diego State mashes the Bulls. Oh, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> see, you're getting clever, and I'm going to need to respond in kind here. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's not on the Mesa, but matters. Uh, Maybe I could take this back to the days of when we, we used to do mock drafts for, for another website, and I would talk about how <laughs> Seattle was going to make it rain with their pick and other such wordplay and puns. <laughs> 
yes. In fact, uh, the more wordplay and puns you can come up with in a short, compact amount of time, the better. So Absolutely. Uh, the R&L Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tulane and Louisiana Lafayette's in a pick'em. Um, Tulane wins this matchup that's a home game for both. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> two, uh, two great young coaches in... <laughs> Jeez. Two great young coaches in this game, but the Cajuns rage on. Ooh. Oh, we differ. Oh. Yes, we are. Are we inviting everyone to join the pick'em, the bull pick'em this year? Uh, yes, I invited everybody who who participated in the Sixer, which uh, quickly got away from us because of technical issues and whatever. But if you were in the Sixer, you were invited to participate in the bull picks. Uh, get your ass over there and make your picks ASAP. These games start the twenty first. They start Saturday. So, um, yeah, <laughs> running for several weeks on end. <laughs> yes, the. Uh, the Beefo Brady's Bowl of St. Petersburg, East Carolina, minus 14 against Ohio. Uh, the Pirates are going to plunder in St. Petersburg. <laughs> East Carolina fills up on appetizers, including the Bobcats. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. The uh, Sheraton-Hawaii Bowl, Boise State, plus three against Oregon State. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I don't have any good wordplay for this one. I'm sorry. I, I take <laughs> Oregon State because Boise State has no coach. <laughs> Oregon State stampedes over the coachless Broncos. Hmm. Gotcha. Six and six <laughs> to Oregon State. We're both taking them over eight and four Boise. God, I, I couldn't have imagined picking Boise in this game a few years ago just based on name values. You know. Yeah, I couldn't have imagined Boise being in this game a few years ago, much less picking them. That's a better point. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl, Pittsburgh plus six against Bowling Green. Um, I'm taking Bowling Green for sure. Again, I have no good wordplay on this. I'm so disappointed in my ability to step up to the plate. I'm, I'm like I'm pulling a a rod in the playoffs right here. <laughs> Well, I took Bowling Green. Uh, since Bowling Green doesn't have a coach either, uh, Pittsburgh is hot and ready to take this win. Oh, oh, because that's oh, the Little Caesars thing. Yeah, yeah. See what I did there? I do. Yeah. You're, see, you're good at that. I think you rehearsed. <laughs> I did you, not. You planned this. You planned just like, oh, I'll just drop in an off-the-cuff sounding remark about more wordplay is good, and then I'll go to my pre-written take. Dude, look at who my father is. If there's anybody who ought to be good at puns, it is yours truly. Uh, that's actually an excellent point, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the San Diego County Credit Union poinsettia ball, still hate that name, Utah State plus one and a half against Northern Illinois. Um... um uh, I, I, I trusty the Huskies. I, I got I, I got nothing good for this, man. It's it's, it's embarrassing. Uh, let's see. Northern Illinois' offense will be in bloom without Chucky e. Keaton to counter them. When they're in a pinch, they'll turn to Lynch. <laughs> I'll allow it. Beautiful. I'll allow it. Yes, I'll take it. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> jeez. 
See, this isn't this more fun than listening to some clown sitting there on an AM blowtorch talking about, oh, well, I think the key to the game is how they can respond in the fourth quarter. This is more fun, isn't it? This is a, this team isn't used to seeing a three three five defense, and then uh, the other team who plays a three three five is going to really be able to confuse the quarterback. I've done extensive tape study on this. Okay, all right. <laughs> San Diego State has won their last five games against teams nicknamed the Bulls. Oh well, in that, in that case, that, I got to say that that thing that that is something that uh, that does kind of amuse me is in doing you know reading on fantasy this year and and whatnot, um, seeing people like Chris Harris for ESPN talking about I've done extensive film study of the Rams offense and I see that Zach Stacy is a prime breakout candidate or something like that. And while he was right about it, it was still one of those things going. Wait, you do extensive film study for fantasy purposes? <laughs> Not I. I, I Okay, I mean, that's, you know, whatever it takes to get paid, bro, but, you know, that's interesting. The uh, the Military Bowl in Annapolis, uh, Marshall minus two and a half against Maryland. Um, <sighs> why do I keep not having anything good for this? I took Marshall in this game. There you go. Are you happy now? You're embarrassing me <laughs> right before my birthday, Brian. <laughs> I was going to get to that. Uh, I, I would say Marshall gives Maryland their marching orders to the Big Ten with a defeat. Ah, okay. Marching orders. I get it. I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, they're going to. I think the Terps will retreat into their turtle shell, something like that, maybe. <laughs> would that have worked? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, the. Uh... <laughs> their quarterback will practice the Russell Wilson step, 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 <laughs> turtle shell. <laughs> the the aforementioned Texas Bowl Syracuse plus four against Minnesota. See, I'm actually I, I did make my picks uh, already, so I, I'm trying to remember who the heck I picked in which two games. <laughs> because just, it's like wait, which Texas? Uh, um, <laughs> just pick them differently on here. Nobody cares. No, I, I, I'm trying. I'm, you know, I got to be consistent. It's, it's my bowl season. You know. One sheet, one, you know, it's like, uh, the, I, I don't want to be that guy who's filling out six different tournament brackets <laughs> and picking each number one seed in each of them, plus like a random three and a two. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I always think that's kind of weak. It's like, yeah, I picked North Carolina. Did you pick anyone else? Well, yeah, and Louisville and UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't want to be that guy, all right? I don't want to be the guy wearing the shirt of the band he's going to see. So, uh, with that in mind, talking about the Texas Bowl, um, I, I think that Minnesota will be golden at the end of this contest. Yeah, uh, unfortunately for Syracuse, Prince Tyson Gully is not the lone star on the field. Oh, oh, nice. Texas reference. Minnesota with the victory. Yeah, I still think you wrote these. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm blessed with the ability to come up with stupid jokes. Uh, the... Fight Hunger Bowl, BYU, uh, plus three, actually, against Washington. BYU, I hate you. <laughs> That's all you need to know about my pick. <laughs> with with their head coach off to chase Cougars in L.A., the Huskies defeat the Cougars in the Fight Hunger Bowl. Oh, oh I see what you did there. I like it. Yeah. Even though I'm picking against you know a team that lost their head coach, which I mentioned was one of my rules, uh, <laughs> my hatred for BYU overcomes that rule. The little known codicil in my bull picking constitution. <laughs> the uh, the new era pinstripe bowl, 
Rutgers plus 14 and a hay against the Fighting Irish. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Rutgers might as well just get back on the turnpike because they're losing. I don't know. See, I'm bad at this, Brian. I should just be asking you for all your takes on all these. And then I just say my actual pick, and then we move on. Uh, the Irish will spin Rutgers backwards. Okay. The New Era reference there. Oh, oh, nice. See, you got all kinds of stuff working. You're, you know, uh, if, I'm playing on, like, Amateur, and you're playing on Madden. <laughs> Speaking of having everything in order, the Bell Helicopter Armed Forces Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> geez. Middle Tennessee plus six against Navy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Navy won't be able to protect us from these Raiders. <laughs> oh. <Huh. laughs> sorry. The, uh, the Raiders will march victorious into the wild blue yonder. Oh, because they're Blue Raiders. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. See what I did there? I'm the, more, I, I really, uh, I, I'm not so sure of that pick as much as I just am really hoping it comes out that way for you. <laughs> Me too. I never like picking my own school. The the uh, the Belk Bowl, Cincinnati plus three against North Carolina. Uh, watching this game will be too much to bear, except the Bearcats will win. Oh, wow. Uh <laughs> Cincinnati will stop a tar hole in the tar heels. Oh, that see, you know, it's again, it's not really fair. It's <laughs> like I'm a 12-year-old playing against a 17-year-old on a baseball diamond or something. Well, NC State often refers to or NC State fan often refers to uh, North Carolina as the tar holes. So I, I, I kind of have a little bit now of Now I understand. The uh yeah. the Russell Athletic Bowl, Louisville minus 3 against the U. Mm. That, that, I just sorry. I'm, I'm on our bowl pick'em page as I'm looking up these bowls to see who I picked, and and uh, it's just funny as the helmet somehow for Miami is the Louisville helmet. <laughs> so I was like, huh? Well, this is also confusing. Uh, so I took Louisville, and I have a bad sentence, and it was more than a sentence. So that one that went well. Miami will remind Louisville you haven't played anybody all year. Oh, I get what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> especially since they lost to UCF and your your boy quarterback there. Yeah, Blake Bortles, East Central Florida. Yeah, the uh, the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, K State minus three and a half against Michigan. Uh, Snyder continues to be a golden oldie against Michigan. I don't know what that has to do with anything except him being old. Michigan can say for the first time they have very little hope in this game. Oh, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Just that one, you hold your hat. Watch it sail down the fairway. Yeah, I picked K-State there. It doesn't sound that way, but... No, I, I get because Little Hoke. Yeah. If they had a lot of Hoke, <laughs> then they would feel better about their chances. I get it. Yeah, the uh, Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. That's a uh, <laughs> nice name. Really? Yeah, that <laughs> slides right off the tongue there. Georgia Tech plus three against Ole Miss. Um... I'm going to take Georgia Tech, and I have nothing good to say. God, I'm so bad at this. Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I was expecting – you said this. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. And now I just realized that I'm, I'm, I, I, I am not capable of thinking on my feet, apparently, unless I misspeak first 
about the son of Knight Rider <laughs> or something. Let's uh, let's say the Yellow Jackets will have no option but to lose this game. Oh, oh, the see, you know, you got all the, that comments on their offense. I mean, I, 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 again, do you have like writers on staff? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't. I need to. Oh, okay, might be a better I, show. I, I need, I need something. <laughs> the uh, the Valero Alamo Bowl featuring Texas plus thirteen and a half against Oregon. Uh, <laughs> can, can we just do a hyphenated reference and say Oregon will lay the smack down on Texas? Oh, wow. See what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike Mark Morrison, there will be no return of the Mac in this game. Oh, wow. That was very similar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, went after the same angle there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the... National University Holiday Bowl, another one that rolls right off the tongue. Texas Tech plus 14.5 against Arizona State. Don't be shocked to see Sun Devil fans making that sign in the stands as they win this game. Oh, wait, it's a pitchfork. It's still the same thing. I don't care what they try to tell me it is. It's the shocker. The Graham-led Sun Devils will not cracker under pressure. Oh, Graham cracker. I got it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. <laughs> My dad's probably just sitting there loving this right now. He's like, this is the best segment I've ever heard on this show. More go, having a guy more coffee. <laughs> you guys should do this every week. More of this. Um, let's Can I see. call in? The, uh, the Advocare V100 Bowl, Arizona <laughs> minus 7.5 against Boston College. Uh, by the way, is, is, is Andre Williams actually supposed to be healthy for this game? Allegedly, but Allegedly. he has okay. been kind of banged up. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, it seems like that would be a problem for them, uh, and that's a, a really bad sentence when I tell you that Arizona is my pick, because um, I just realized, you know, once I said it out loud, I've exhausted my sentence. Arizona will richly lay the rod to BC. Okay, that sounds really pornography. <laughs> yeah, my apologies to all of you under thirteen who listen to this program. All none of you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> The uh, Hyundai Sun Bowl, <laughs> Virginia Tech plus seven against UCLA. Mm. I think there's something brewing in Westwood with that football program, Brian. I'm taking the Bruins. Well, that last sentence was very hokey. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> that will be the only hokey used in this sentence. When you wrote out the rundown for the show, did you just, just like make Ed look like a moron for a half hour? Is the, that pretty much how you scheduled it out? Or <laughs> for for those of you who don't know this program, I don't write a damn thing down in, in advance. And if I had written this down, can you imagine how bad the jokes would have been if I'd actually written this stuff? I, I think these are gold, Jerry. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Jerry, <laughs> uh, you know that's, that's a Seinfeld joke. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, are you calling me my dad already if I turned into no. him? No. <laughs> the, uh, no, the, you would be Jerry Jr. <laughs> yeah. I would never call someone that because people used to call me, you know, the name, they, they used to call me Jr. sometimes. I really did not care for it. The, uh, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl featuring Mississippi State, to use the southern vernacular, they are minus seven against Rice. Oh, I think that uh, Mississippi State is more than capable of uh, cooking this rice in the Liberty Bowl. <laughs> Finger guns. Uh, now, now, wait a minute. I like rice. What? Do you really? Yeah, it's a good team. Oh, oh yeah. 
and had the minute reference there too. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> just for that alone. I'd, if I, you know, if I would actually were going to write out these takes, I probably would change my pick based on who I could make the better pun about. <laughs> you know, actually, I, I might end up changing my pick too. We'll see. I've, I haven't submitted my picks officially, so. Oh, I, I'm official. Oh, well. <laughs> see, that's that's one advantage you have over me. You made your picks. I didn't write my takes, so. Uh, oh, okay. Let's see. The Chick-fil-A Bowl, Duke plus 11.5 against Texas A&M. Yeah. Um, slapping the field will do no good for the Duke defense against Johnny Football. <laughs> Duke will frantically search for a nugget of hope and will not find it. Oh, Okay. I, I like my floor slapping reference. I'm giving myself yeah, there. I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give you the credit on that one. That was that was good. <laughs> the uh, the taxslayer.com Gator Bowl, another <laughs> one that rolls right off the tongue. Nebraska plus nine against Georgia. Bo Pelini already said he won't care when he gets fired after this one. I'm taking Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. No puns, just truth. Real talk. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> real takes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Despite no Aaron Murray, the Bulldogs have more than enough bite to take down the Huskers. Oh, see, I really thought you were going with despite no Aaron Murray, it won't be a worry for Georgia. Oh, count it. See? That's yeah, a, that's very go. Vern Lundquist-ish. I like that. Yeah. So you know that was um, that was pretty interesting the way that, that they ended the Iron Bowl telecast. I still I still keep thinking about that the way that they ended that that with the, uh, the shot of the Waffle House. Uh, yeah, I, that was that had to have been a, a pre-canned thing. There's no way in the world they could have just gone to that on the fly. Yeah, uh, you know I, I thought that was a really interesting story and a good one, but um, the fact that they cut away from from the stadium and people <laughs> still celebrating like their life completely had changed because of what had happened. Um, I don't know. That seemed like the more powerful visual than the photograph of a empty Waffle House booth. Tumor's counter. Well, there's that too. I, you know, and Brad <laughs> Kitt might be there. Maybe you can drive in Brad Kitt over to Tumor's <laughs> Corner. The uh, the heart of Dallas Bowl, North Texas minus six and a half against Vegas. Um. Yeah, uh, you know, it would be a gamble to take UNLV in this game. Yeah, see, I was going to say the odds are not in the Rebs' favor as they play in mm. North Texas' backyard. Yes. There we go. I like it. Although, if any of you listen to that and make a Hunger Games reference out of that, just go ahead and punch yourself in the face and save me the effort. Um, I've never seen the Hunger Games. Nor have I, I, and I don't want to, but they have that whole may the odds be ever in your favor bit, and uh, screw that. Yeah, I didn't even know that. All, all I know lately is that uh, apparently some people took some pictures to Jennifer Lawrence and then used Photoshop before putting them up in their magazine. And I was <laughs> like, wow, I, I, I had no clue that this was news. That uh, uh, that thought, turned into a South Park episode, actually. Yeah, it was a, it was a darn good one, too. I yeah. really liked it. Um, but at the same time, they, people keep pointing to these Jennifer Lawrence photos. And I'm like, why, why, why her photos? Why not everyone's photos? <laughs> the, uh, the Capital One Bowl, South Carolina minus one against Bucky Badger. Um, let's see, um, South Carolina may cock this one up and let the Badgers run away with the victory. 
Wisconsin fans' interest rate will gradually drop in this game as South Carolina pulls away. Mm, okay. Differ of opinions there. It's controversial. <laughs> yeah, that's a hashtag hot sprots takes. Believe it. Uh, the Outback Bowl, Iowa, <laughs> well, plus seven against LSU. First of all, if they're if they're just based on numbers alone, I, I realize that there are some injury problems for LSU, and I'm going to go over my sentence and all that. But we'll get back to my hokey sentence later. Um, really, it's only seven. Yeah, I, it, that would that would be a game where if I were in a place where wagering were legal, that I might take a look at that one. Just with thoughts, <laughs> I mean, just what do, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, seven's always a dodgy number, but with those two teams, uh, that seems like. And again, we're not offering professional gambling advice. Please don't take it for you know for that. But uh, that seems like easy money to me. Is LSU's entire defense hurt too? Or, <laughs> I mean, is that that's that's my question when I see that line? I'm like, okay, I know the quarterback, but okay, uh, you know, uh, they won't need to listen to Survivor in order to. Show the eye of the tiger in this one. See, <laughs> I was going to say that the chances for an Iowa victory look more and more rare. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm just happy I got a Survivor reference in. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, you know, speaking while we're speaking of uh, you know songs that appeared in boxing movies, um, how awful does Grudge Match look? <laughs> We're just trying to order some dinner here. Can you not punch everything? <laughs> uh, yeah. Your boobs jiggle when you jump rope because you're old. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It looks really bad. Um, it looks really, like, really bad. The the funniest thing is, can you imagine the call that Kevin Hart's agent took on that movie? It's like, yeah, um, we're going to ask you to appear in a movie with Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro, and they're going to be boxing in. What the hell are you talking about? We'll pay you $10 million. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, see, I, I I just feel like that could have happened in stages where they initially get the call. We'd like you to be involved in a project with Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro. Oh, really? Yeah, I absolutely think that would be something that Kevin would be interested in. And then they actually get the script. <laughs> yeah. That's and fair. then it's, okay, well, you'd get to be in a movie with De Niro, which is great, and uh, Sylvester Stallone, cool. Um, they're boxing. And they're 60. So, <laughs> Kevin? <laughs> I, I, like, just even watching that. I, I, I have seen enough of the commercials now. Like, I knew right away when I saw the first ad going, like, this will be terrible. But now I've seen enough of the commercials. Just be like, I feel like you've shown me everything you could possibly show me from this movie. No, see, you know what probably happened? They probably called him, called up Kevin Hart's agent, and they were like, uh, "Can you get your your uh, your representative, your client, to uh, to come appear in a movie so that Sylvester Stallone can try and change his radio, and you can have him scream at him not to ever touch a black man's radio?" Wait, wrong guy. Wrong what? guy. <laughs> it wasn't you. Oh, all right. Uh, you know, one other thing that that is always a sure sign that a movie is not very good is, and this is something that Grudge Match has done, is when they start. Building national television commercials around some random person's tweet. Yeah. And when someone's tweet was, if you want some great fun or if you want to see a fun movie this Christmas, check out Grudge Match or something. It was, you know, like something girl 17 and <laughs> was just left going, wait a second. You, you have marketing teams out there. 
you, you couldn't like slip a fifty to some random dude at least affiliated with a newspaper so you could slap his blurb onto this thing. At moviefan eighty five says it's better than listening to your family bitch at each other on Christmas Day. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. The um, uh, <laughs> the Rose Bowl, Michigan State plus four and a half against Stanford. Um. Yeah, I, something, uh, some pun I can't really quite figure out about tree better than green and something, something. I take Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> A Stanford victory in the Rose Bowl will smell extra sweet. Well, you know, it'll be better than the rioting in East Lansing afterwards. So. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Uh, yeah, that was a really nice job by a Michigan State fan. Yeah, I know. You'd think you'd take classes from West Virginia fan or something. If you're going to learn how to riot, do it the right way. Name couches. <laughs> the, uh, let's see, the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl, the Central Florida plus 16 and a hay against Baylor. Baylor's offense will be far too much for Central Florida to bear. Wow. I was going to say that Baylor will be cashing in their chips early. Mm, I like that Tostitos reference. See, I keep thinking only about the teams and not about the sponsorships or bowl tie-ins, so I'll see if I can step up my game here for the <laughs> BCS games and whatever random games decide to schedule themselves on January 4th or something to try to get some more airtime. The All-State Sugar Bowl, Oklahoma plus 15 against Alabama. Uh, any lead that Oklahoma have has won't be in good hands as Alabama runs away with this one. Wow. Is that better? Yeah. Uh, see, I was going with Alabama will quickly induce a diabetic coma on Oklahoma. <laughs> diabetic coma. <laughs> Wilford Brimley will be giving advice to Oklahoma after this game. Diabetes. <laughs> Diabetes. Uh, let's see. The AT&T Cotton Bowl Classic featuring Oklahoma State plus one against Mizzou. <laughs> All I know is I'm sure not referencing the name of this bowl. That seems like it's just a recipe for disaster, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Worst yes, it does. idea ever. That's a, that's a good pick on your part. Yeah, I'm just stay away from that one. Um, wait, wait, see what I did there? Good pick. pick. Yeah, oh, I, I, I got it. Okay. I'm just trying to, trying to move on before I get called <laughs> a lawyer of some some kind. Yeah, our phone bank is lighting up here. Yes, our phone bank. <laughs> All the ranchos react to me now. Uh, our phone bank. Hey. That makes me laugh for some reason. <laughs> the bank of phone lines we have set up for our show. It's it's the same people who take calls for infomercial products. Don't be fooled. Right. You know, I you know, I still want my ear back. I hope I get one for my birthday or Christmas. <laughs> You know, so I don't have to scream ow every time I use the Q-tips on my ears. Uh, I'm getting away from things because I keep stalling trying to think of a good line. It still hasn't happened. I'm taking Missouri. Uh, see, I was going to say that that Oklahoma State will dial long distance on Mizzou early and often. Oh, because it's an AT&T reference. Yeah. See, that part's okay. That's a good idea. <laughs> that, 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 that's the part of the name that I would really stick with. Yeah, that or uh, let's hope Mizzou has to worry more about dropped calls than dropped balls. Ooh. There's that too. Yes. Uh, the Discover Orange Bowl, Clemson plus two and a half against Ohio State. I think Clemson will discover just how 
willing Urban Meyer is to cheat in order to get the refs. Uh, I'm sorry, has some <laughs> better talent. Ohio State's, let's see, Ohio State's uh, success against top teams is as overrated as the card representing this bowl. Mm. Clemson with the victory. Oh, Clemson with the victory. Yes. I thought you were you were saying that Ohio State might buck the trend oh, of their wow. high-profile bowl losses, but whatever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the, uh, the BBVA Compass Bowl, Houston against Vanderbilt. Mm, well, neither team needs a compass to find the end zone, do they? Oh, hey-o. Hey. Um, I'm taking Vanderbilt. After this game, Lionel Richie will no longer be the most successful Commodore. I was trying to figure out a Commodore reference. <laughs> you know, Shmamador doesn't really do it, so I just kind of skipped that. Or, uh, or you could say maybe the Commodores will hang 64 on Houston. Oh, see what I did there? Oh, that actually, see, any old school uh, computer <laughs> video gaming reference, um, you know, I am engaged, folks. I just want people to know that. Like, you know, <laughs> I managed to get past all of this dorkiness uh, to a somewhat... Um, you know, palatable public exterior sometimes. There's hope for you too. <laughs> you know, yeah. The uh, the game we've almost already made too many jokes about, so I'll be curious to see if we can come up with uh, something for this. The GoDaddy.com Bowl, Arkansas State plus nine against Ball State. Uh, if someone's asking me if I'm going to watch Ball State win this game, I'll say no, Daddy. <laughs> Charlie Sheen likes Ball State because their quarterback is winning. Oh, wow. That's that's amazingly topical. <laughs> um, yeah. It's the hottest I, take of 10 months ago. Absolutely. Um, you know, I I just um, I am happy, though, that I, I let everyone know far in advance that if you're watching the game, the national telecast is actually going to end after the third quarter because the fourth quarter and overtime will be streamed <laughs> on GoDaddy.com. That's where, you know, that's where all the good stuff apparently is something that they put I, I I still have yet to meet a single person uh, who when you know if I've asked and not like I've been canvassing uh, my friends for this answer but I still have to meet a single person who has actually gone to godaddy.com to watch the exclusive web content of what happens when Danica Patrick starts to like lower her zipper or something like I assume she starts texting people and you know <laughs> turning left or whatever she does I don't really know <laughs> When she, Hosting the Country Music Awards for some reason? Can, when, can someone tell me why that's happening, too? When she starts to get undressed, 18 cars wreck into the wall. Is that how that works? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like maybe some people would be able to be listening to the play-by-play of her undressing through headphones that they rented while they were <laughs> arriving there. <laughs> Is that maybe something that happens? It's the first thing fiery about Danica Patrick that didn't involve 25 drivers crashing into each other. <laughs> No, can, can you seriously explain to me why she's hosting the Country Music Awards? She was commenting on how she used to used to like uh, a bunch of pop stuff like Katy Perry and everything, and then apparently she started dating Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and uh, she started to listen to country music, and the more she listened to it, the more she realized it was it was real music, and it was America's music, and now she's a big fan of it or something. I, I don't know. I, I read it and started to black out after about the first two sentences. I was going to say, I, I, that I, I couldn't disagree with that anymore. Um, I mean, there, there's great country music, just like there are other great pieces of music from other genres. But, um, to say that that is America's music, um, 
yeah, I, I just find that very odd. And it's real music, um, you know, just like every other genre of music. Country has been undergoing the same kind of changes involving auto-tuning and <laughs> studio tricks, just like every other genre. So I just work here. By the way, speaking of, of great country, and uh, we're, we're getting mildly sidetracked, but this needs to be said. Uh, country actually lost a, uh, a legend yesterday. Ray Price uh, passed away at the age of 87. And if you want to talk about real country... Don't talk to me about, you know, what whatever hat rock artist there is on the radio these days. Talk to me about Ray Price uh, for the good time, still one of the, the classics of all time. And, you know, we've, we've lost both George Jones and Ray Price this year. And uh, that kind of sucks for people who actually like legitimate country and not hat rock. So, you know, it really seemed like there was a, a fairly clear uh, line of demarcation uh, when it comes to types of country, and you could kind of see it start to happen. I don't know when you could really say exactly, but I, it, within the last 10 years, it was country music was pop music where you just decided to sing with an accent. <laughs> Let's go to Darius Rucker for his take on that. Darius? Wagon Wheel? How does that, <laughs> that cover treating you? Good. By the way, it's how bad is it when I talk to people about Old Crow Medicine Show who actually did that song? And they're like, who the hell is that? I like the Darius Rucker uh, version of it. He, he did it first. No, no, he didn't. It's a really old song, actually. Um, but thanks for playing. Uh, you know, <laughs> remind me to never call you if I'm on a game show that requires me to call you for an answer about anything. <laughs> By the way, I, I have to defend the, uh, the whole wedding thing. This is a, you know, the last program of 2013, and since we don't have a montage... This is our way to honor the best of 2013. Dude, even Rocky had a montage. <laughs> Time always moves faster in a montage. It does. <laughs> it's, it's, it, you know, if you fade out at the end, it feels like more time has passed in a montage. <laughs> Finally, the uh, the BCS National Championship game, Auburn plus eight and a half against Florida State. <laughs> no pun, but when the police are on your side, I'm taking you in the national title game. Florida State. <laughs> Uh, it seems as though this year, for whatever reason, Auburn has a tiger by the tail. Oh, oh, yeah, that's well, that's true. Seriously, though, um, I, I understand that, that he's now become the youngest man to win the Heisman and first-team All-American and several other awards for his quarterbacking play, but doesn't anyway, isn't anyone else really bothered by this whole Jameis Winston thing? Uh, I know I am, and, you know... What's bad about it, too, you had the Heather Cox interview, and then CBS had him on there, and they kept asking him questions about what have you learned from all this and everything, and he just gave the typical uh, platitudes. You Learned know, that I love God. Yeah, and there, of course now there's there's talk down in, in Florida that they're trying to get the Florida Attorney General to investigate the Tallahassee Police Department and investigate this attorney who refused to file any charges against Winston. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot still going on, and people think, all right, you know, all right, this is over with. Not really. I just, I, I don't know, I just kind of feel like uh, I am watching this all happen around me and every once in a while just sort of, you know, like raise my hand just and this, on this show have brought up like, hey, does anyone else really have a problem with the fact that this guy was being investigated for these sexual assault charges and, you know, there was a DNA match and a lot of really suspicious things and, and i'm not saying that he did it or didn't do it but i mean 
Aren't, aren't these concerning to you at least? Yeah, see, nope. that's, that's the no, thing. No, not really. He's uh, his best quarterback, so he's here's the Heisman. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the whole Barry Bonds disease where, uh, you know, everybody thinks he's an a-hole except for Giants fans. Mm-hmm. So That's fair to say. But see, I, I'm, I'm not going to convict the man in public. I mean, that's that's not fair. You and I are both professionally trained media people. We joke about that all the time. But I, I think one thing that we've both learned is that you you always use the word alleged uh, there's, there's of course the innocent till proven guilty codicil in this nation. And it's been here for, you know, as long as it has, but I'll simply say this, the cavalier way they handled it is not a good look. I it just, it just simply makes me uneasy. Same here. Uh, I'm not saying that he did it or didn't do it uh, again. Um, but the fact that, um, it's like, oh, well he wasn't charged. So we're all good. That attitude has just been something where you're, you're left feeling, wait a second, um, doesn't anyone just feel a little weird about this? No. Oh, all right. Okay. We're just gonna, we're just, just sort of just gonna brush this one out of the, but all right. All right. He won the Heisman. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mr. Roethlisberger, please pick up the white courtesy phone. <laughs> Do you think that Jameis has called uh, Ben's representatives for advice on this? Or uh, probably. <laughs> okay, now that, that might be going too far. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but still, it's just yeah, it's just such an odd feeling, and uh, I don't know. I mean, as much as anything, you, the Heisman had this certain attachment to it about representing football a little bit, at least that I remember growing up. I mean, do you remember feeling the same way about it? Yes, absolutely. And it's you don't know what's going to happen, but you know you start pointing to things like Reggie Bush having to give back his, or forfeit his award. You know it was his choice. Obviously, he didn't sure. have to. Right. But uh, <laughs> but and then potentially something with Jameis Winston down the road where he might have to forfeit his award or however it might work. It's just such a a weird thing to think about, and you know this could be a, a much easier become or very easily become into a, a commentary about the way the media is and the way that information moves so quickly and every move is scrutinized and things of that nature. But at the same time, it was it was kind of nice when you didn't quite have so much information. It was nice that you were able to just sort of romanticize these guys a little bit more and, and think like, hey, that's, that's the face of college football this year. Yeah, now we just hate them all. Yeah. <laughs> we know too much, Brian. As, uh, as we wind down 2013, this is, of course, as you know, the final time you'll hear us this year. And uh, it's, a, it's a big month for both of us. It's our birthday month. Uh, we don't celebrate it as much as we used to, but it is still our birthday month. Ed's comes up in three days now. So uh, since, since you won't hear that, when that happens, Ed, I'll go ahead and wish you a happy birthday on air now. I'm sure I'll, I'll uh, you know, get to that in a little more formal state uh, a little bit later on. But as, as always, happy birthday to you, my friend. And, and I know you have some other stuff that you, you wanted to talk about as the year wound down. So I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the floor to do that. Well, the thing that I also wanted to mention was the fact that I think you made a great decision that you're not going to be spending December 28th, which is your birthday, uh, covering a football game. Yeah, no. I that's I'm, a very good decision. Happy birthday to you. I hope you. you can enjoy it. Um, you know, way more than anyone's going to be able to enjoy the, the, the uh, game that I'm referencing. I'll just leave the name <laughs> out just yeah. in case. Yeah. But, uh, you probably figured out. Yeah. <laughs> just, I just, you know, um, I mean, this year's been such an interesting year in, in so in so many different sports areas. Um, I mean, and of course, 
unfortunately, I feel like uh, the way that it started turning those the, the sports, like so much of other of news, is turned to controversy in order to make its headlines instead of actual play. And we've had so many amazing things happen this year. And I mean, even the last two weeks in the NFL could just be a perfect example of that. And you look at these games and comebacks and. The Packers coming back to beat the Cowboys or the way that the Ravens-Vikings uh, game ended two weeks ago with four touchdowns in the final uh, couple minutes and things of that nature. There's all this great stuff happening on the field, and yet we're, we're hearing more and more about uh, you know, guys like Jameis Winston. and uh, Is he you know, going to be charged with sexual assault? And it's just kind of sad to see things trending that way, um, and I just don't see any way that, that it's ever going to stop. Yeah. I wonder, like, at what point have we reached our saturation point? And that's kind of what I think of when I think of this year, which is an unfortunate thing to, to really be thinking of. Yeah, we never like to feel dirty when we watch sports, especially, you know, something that we, we grew up with as kids. And unfortunately, it's getting to that point now. No, it, it is. I mean, so when I kind of think about the year, that's something that, that does come to mind. Is there anything about the year in sports that comes to mind when you think about 2013? Uh, so many things, really. I mean, Notre Dame coming into the BCS National Championship game, and, and uh, you know, nobody thought they had a chance to win except for Notre Dame, and they didn't have a chance to win. It's probably one of the more overrated uh, teams we've seen come in undefeated in a National Championship game, really, ever. Uh, there was all the junk around the Super Bowl with the power outages and all that stuff. And it, I, I'm not going to talk any further about that result because I know, I know you weren't very, a very big fan of it. And I wasn't either. And there was the, uh, the, the World Series. The, the Red Sox beat the Cardinals in a series that nobody cared about except for Red Sox fans and Cardinal fans. Obstruction. Uh, <laughs> yeah, something like that. There's, I mean, just all, all this stuff that happened this year. And, you know, you wonder, there's all this stuff about, well, uh, you know, you won't be able to tell who won whatever award in five years, and you probably won't. Um, there'll be a lot that happened this year that I probably won't remember about. You know, even just a few weeks down the road. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. there's, sure. there's, it, it was a year. We'll just we'll put it that way. It was a year. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it, it very much was that. I will, I will give you that point, Brian. Yes, that's true. <laughs> was a year. Um, 2013. It was a year. I mean, the, the, so unfortunately, I, I mean, I kind of remember this year in sports uh, as something that that really um, is is mired in controversy. Um, but you know, that being said. The games, as I mentioned, on the field still remain amazingly compelling. And if you can kind of control some of what you you do in terms of your consumption of sports media, you can still have a very pleasant experience as a sports fan. It's when I find myself diving so deep into various things that you start reading almost every article out there. That's when you end up with this this overload of information that makes you feel like almost everything is evil. Evil, you know what I mean? My my memorable moment from sports this year, if I had to pick one, would be when Kevin Ware broke his leg. Ooh, man, that was a memorable moment for any number of reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it was it was so scary to watch, and uh, you know, and of course, thanks to internet technology, there were you know animated gifs of it right away. So uh, yeah, even though was... I didn't see it live, I could see it. Ugh. Yeah, I I can't even it's, even still, I get sick just thinking about that. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah, it was that was very. I mean, injuries like that don't bother me necessarily. I, I still have a harder time seeing a guy roll an ankle or something because I've done that. Uh, yeah, same here. You know what I mean? 
Uh, those, those shots where a guy ends up coming down on someone's foot and rolling his ankle real badly, those still just, ah. I always get that reaction when I see them. But the, the Kevin Waringry, that was, that was really, um, that was, that was just tough to watch. And you ended up seeing it so many times. And I, I still remember, you know, it was the Napoleon McCallum knee injury against the Niners oh. on Monday Night Football way back when. The, yeah. And the way that Dan Deardorff was doing Monday Night Football at the time, they're like, oh, we, we shouldn't show it again. You should, oh, just, we shouldn't show it. Oh, here it is. And as they continued to show replays of this, and he kept talking about it, oh, that's so bad. We shouldn't show it again. <laughs> and it kept coming. It's just going, man, enough. And, uh, you know, I felt lucky in the sense that I didn't see the live coverage because I don't know how many looks they had at it, but I think uh, you didn't need too many to know that it was real bad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, of course, you know, it kind of – that's another thing media has done to us. You could see, you know, multiple replays and multiple angles and all that stuff and just – Right. Our, but, our morbid curiosity. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, as it is in, I mean, in, and you could easily point to the rest of the world and say that this is the same kind of situation, but as sports fans, I still, I, I kind of feel like we need to go out of our way a little bit more to try to appreciate the good things about the game. And it's hard to do because the stories that are shoved in our faces the most are the ones that we may not care about, like Tim Tebow being the most searched athlete on Bing this year? It matters. Total matters. But, but the point being, like, why? Why, <laughs> why are you people doing that to yourselves? Like, that, you can't tell me that he's that interesting of a dude. Yeah, true. Um, you know, I, I mean, can I go out and record a YouTube video of me, like, throwing poor spirals and see if that, <laughs> does that get hits? I mean, what, what's it going to take? I, I'm going to go ahead because we take wild-ass guesses on this program all the time. And, you know, I, I take wild-ass guesses when it comes to predicting baseball divisions. But my my wild-ass guess for one of the sports stories of 2014 will be how the U.S. men's national team got housed at the World Cup. And we have to hear about that ridiculous, totally above-board, completely unfixed draw. Yeah. That is coming. I don't disagree with you on that at all. We're already starting to see the articles about that. And even in advance of the World Cup draw with the way that the different pots, as they call them, which is like, really? Come on, UEFA. you got, you, there's, you got to come up with a better <laughs> – or FIFA, I should say, not UEFA. Uh, although UEFA, I'm sure, has a big hand in the way that the draw goes down. But the point is, um, the way that it was all set up, these were the potential groups that the U.S. could be in and – Here's your best possible, and here's your worst possible, and the one that they got was pretty much as bad as they could get. So as soon as that the draw came out, immediately they're oh tough. This is going to be oh they need a win in the first game against Ghana to have any chance, and Germany has to already be through by the third game, so they rest all their good players, which ignores the fact that Germany's backups are still really good. But you know whatever. <laughs> um, that's coming. I, I don't disagree with you, Brian. I would love to believe that the U.S. can get out of that group. I just don't on paper I, I mean i think that this team has been uh, amazingly impressive and they've had this great run of results and the 12 12 match winning streak and all of those different things but still to think that this team's going to be able to come overcome that group yeah you know i'd love to get at the champions league draws but oh look at that we're out of time oh. damn mm. it happens well, every time you know, so we're going to miss the Champions League draw just like your boy Jack Wilshere is going to miss his, miss his next match for flipping the bird <laughs> to the fans, which I know I sent you earlier. Yeah. And I just was wondering, how do you think that would have gone over if he played for Ohio State? Uh, he would have had to sit out of play, probably. I think he would have been reprimanded for not doing the double bird. <laughs> Herb would have split his pizza with him. There you go. Yeah, all of those are good <laughs> answers. 
<laughs> he wouldn't have been able to sell a tattoo to get that suspension reduced or something. I don't know. So uh, before we bump out for the year, Ed, uh, as always, Merry Christmas to you and, and uh, any other holidays. You may celebrate a Happy New Year to you as well. It's uh, It's been a really, really weird year on a lot of fronts, as you mentioned, but I'm looking forward to 2014, and, and uh, it's it's been good having you back around, man. That's That's been the thing, because I don't have to talk for three hours anymore. <laughs> well, it's been nice to be able to actually, uh, with, with schedules working out a little bit more, to, to allow me to do the show. I mean, I, things look like they're slated to get a little bit busier for me uh, next year. Uh, but, you know, it's not just for myself, um, but also, uh, you know, I mean, uh, not only with myself because of the engagement, but also for other people around me. And, you know, even I could look at members of my family and say this. And, and you know, I think for, for you, um and your family as well, just that 2014 just shapes up to be a great year for a lot of people in my life um, and in my life as well. And, and I'm really excited for it. And, you know, being able to say that and, and honestly mean it is something that hasn't kind of been there for the last few years. So it's a nice change to go into a year feeling like, hey, I, I think that this is going to work out great. Yeah, the uh, the typical thing about, you know, New Year bringing hope and stuff and, and baseball fans, we kind of think that about our teams as, as the baseball season starts, as guys go to spring training, there's always this kind of this sense of hope. And I think that everybody has that, too, as, as the calendar turns. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. It seems as though the years are going by a lot faster now than they ever did. But Reed. You know, there's there's still this sense of hope. So uh, from all of us here to all of you there, we wish you the absolute best. We wish you Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy Festivus, whatever it is that you celebrate, even if it's happy December 25th, whatever. Uh, we thank you for spending another year with us. Year 9 on this program. Year 10 begins next year. Can you believe that? No. <laughs> I mean, flat, flat no. We talk about the years going by fast. Holy smokes. 10 years doing this, standby. 10 years ago, we started talking about midweek football games, huh? Yeah. Hot sprot takes, man. I believe it. <laughs> but, again, uh, as as we... Wind down the year. Thank you guys so much for spending your time with us and for interacting with us uh, in any way that you do. And this is a program for friends, by friends, about friends, and that's always been the way it is. So we greatly appreciate all of you. And that will wind down 2013 for the Sports Matters Radio program. We'll see you back here January yeah, January 7th, 2014. Strange to start thinking about those dates ahead of time, but... For Ed Barnes, I'm Brian Wilmer, and thank you again for everything you've done this year. Be safe, be kind, enjoy your family and fellowship this holiday season, and we'll see you back here next year, ready to bitch about sports. See you in 2014, everybody. Take care. Talk to you next year!